Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 238 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself and Steph. Hi Steph, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I am well, thank you. Uh, Anna, how are you? I am also well, thank you. Gosh. Oh, great. Well, today, today's going to be fabulous because we're all thriving. <laughs> I mean, that might be pushing it, but okay. <laughs> Listen, if we manifest it, then it happens. That's fine. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. No, I was thinking, and I don't know why I was thinking about that this this morning, but do you think people that believe in manifestation never worry about things or never let themselves worry about things? Because if you worry about things too much and you believe in manifestation, then it will happen. Oh. Uh, wouldn't... Mm. I guess I mean that's how it works, isn't it? Right, it's like it's silver lining things, right? Is that the right vibe? Well, I think they like believe manifestation is. I think the idea that if you you can think things into existence Mm -hmm. and you think like it's already happened. So if you think, if you believe that what you think comes into existence, then you'd be really, really intentional with not worrying about stuff, right? Because then you be scared that it would come into existence so i wonder if manifestation is a is a great way to stop yourself from worrying slash i was gonna say cure for anxiety yeah i was gonna say that's probably the cure i've been after all my life um (laughs) maybe we should start reading what is it the secret that's what (laughs) (laughs) i actually have it on my bookshelf because when i was teaching at uni one of my students gave me it because I'd started getting into it. It was when I was teaching at the uni is when I started getting into mindfulness and stuff. He said, I think you'd really like this book. And I'd, cause I'd done, I'd used to do personal supervision. So once a week we would do like a, I don't know, like a future prospects class or whatever. And I gave them, I did, we did a meditation together. I just found one on YouTube or whatever. And he thought that meant that I would really like the secret. And then I started reading it and I was like, oh this is not (laughs) this is something else (laughs) make them manifest there but I definitely believe like things work out the way that they're I do feel I don't does that is that toxic positivity I don't know like I'm more of a glass half full kind of gal like I feel but then I do feel my feelings don't get me wrong like I feel crap I think it is anyway I can feel not great so maybe I'm not I don't know no I think that's like that yeah I think that's something like different like I'm the same I think we're all probably the same actually like we're very much glass half full like you can accept things are shit and feel shit but then also be like okay well it's going to work out yeah everything everything will work out even if it works out in a way that you don't want it to work out like eventually you'll be able to look back on it and go, okay, that was the way that it was meant to be for whatever reason. And I was thinking this yesterday too, about it, because it's similar to gratitude, right? And I was, I was thinking, remember when Lewis did a talk on mindset at Level Up and he mentioned gratitude and you know how important it was to do gratitude every day. And there was a question like, you know, don't you think that's toxic positivity to be grateful all the time? And And I was thinking about this yesterday because I thought, I'm still so really grateful for everything that's going on in my life right now, despite the fact that there's some other stuff that I'm really ungrateful about. Um, But I thought, is it? I don't think that's ever toxically positive. I can't find the the gratitude in that really shit situation. Don't get me wrong. But I I think it's I think it's I think it's an easy cop out to say, well, things are too hard to find gratitude right now things are too hard to find something positive because you don't have to find great gratitude and positivity in that one thing that's really hard I don't know if that will ever be the case for certain situations but you can still find the gratitude and positivity in other parts of life and not let and try and be mindful of things becoming really pervasive right of just completely 
being all encompassing um I think yeah like the glass half full thing is kind of holding space for the, sh- the shit but also holding space for the joy at the same time right mm. want to share something on a similar similar vibe obviously manifestation and affirmations and we know how like we've spoken about this before how they can backfire if we're saying stuff that we don't truly believe because it feels like we're lying to ourselves and I came across something last week that were affirmations so rather than like telling yourself that you are enough or you're beautiful and not really believing it it's like what if so what if I am good enough and then you're approaching it with curiosity rather than like almost feeling like you're judging yourself I thought that was a nice way to begin to kind of ease into those sorts of things because I think sometimes even with like um, body appreciations and body gratitude that can feel quite forced at times Um, so I thought like I said a more gentle approach I like that I like that might start using that Mm affirmations is it it IFF or I okay I like that a lot okay Fabulous. Let's get cracking with the questions. Steph, do you want to go first? Yes. Okay. Um, any tips on getting over the mental barrier of eating within the first 30 minutes of waking when you're not hungry and, and have always started eating around lunchtime for years, but know you need to for recovery? I'm assuming this person is in HE recovery or recovery from binge eating, I would guess. Um for reference we don't force everyone to obviously eat within half an hour of waking we don't force anyone to eat at any time let's be honest encourage <laughs> gently guide <laughs> it's gonna feel forced for a while and it is it's like any new habit isn't it it's gonna take some effort but it's the same as kind of when we talk about eating regularly like once you do it often then your body begins to get hungry for that first meal of the day and I think focus as well on how you're feeling through the morning like how great it feels when you're when you've got more energy when you've got kind of more fuel um and feeling more sustained throughout the morning rather than kind of waiting till lunchtime when like it's all those subtle differences as well like more concentration um better mood um the list goes on but my head is empty (laughs) just thinking about things i've done with clients that have struggled with similar things and eating earlier in the day is obviously beneficial for example like managing overeating um we don't have to start with like this massive meal in the morning i think we could probably what's maybe reachable for that person i don't know the I don't know the details of the situation, but maybe it's like a piece of fruit or a smoothie. And yes, we can remember saying like, if we're having like an apple, that isn't a meal. We need to acknowledge it's not a meal, but we're working towards eating like a breakfast um, to regulate hunger throughout the day. So maybe think of things that are a bit more reachable and work with um, your coach and like your nutritional preferences on what that item of food is, I guess, to help along that way. Mm. I think it's one of those things where for a lot of our clients, it takes a couple of weeks and then they're like, I can't believe I didn't eat. I can't believe I didn't eat until 11, 12. And it's, it's a really common one that a lot of people will reflect on and then think, what on earth? How did I manage to do that? Um, so trust that that will be likely the case for you in time. And what also happens is that your hunger hormones will start to regulate according to when you eat. So you're especially ghrelin the hunger the hormone that makes your tummy grumble that it becomes quite responsive to to what times you regularly eat so if you normally only eat at 12 you won't see necessarily that kind of peak in ghrelin or that increase in ghrelin initially but as you start to bring in earlier meals you will start to become hungrier at that time and it will get easier and easier and easier as time goes on for that to be something that you do um 
you'll know that if you're somebody who always eats lunch at one and then maybe you're at work and you you have you get called into a meeting and at one o'clock your stomach starts to grumble and you're like what the hell like why am I like why is it so obvious at that time because we start to get into these rhythms so just have a little bit of patience with it and over time it will start to feel easier Anna so this question is kind of in relation to beginning to challenge food rules and incorporating foods that have previously been avoided restricted and what is the balance between not eating something if you are not really liking it and eating something and getting on with it I'm not sure I understand I'll just go with what I think oh sorry go on Anna (laughs) I was gonna so I think like I said, because we've been working on challenging food rules and just increasing a lot of variety, um, it's all kind of exploring, is this something I really don't like eating or is it because I've told myself that I don't like it or because it's a quite, quite bad food? Um, and if it is the case of um, re- genuinely not enjoying it, would you say carrying on and just getting on with it or would you leave it what I would say because I've uh, spoken to a client about this this week where she said oh I just realized like I have porridge every morning I don't like it and I was like okay interesting um and we do this thing called food congruence where we notice how we feel after certain foods after certain times after eating etc which is really good task to do if you do work with us um but I would say if you're eating something and you really don't like it I don't think I would say to you yeah just keep eating it however if you're someone that doesn't necessarily like a lot of vegetables or fruit then there's an element of like I'm just going to eat this because I value health I value looking after my body but there's definitely like a balance of satisfaction factor um you know eating foods that make you feel comforted like you know for me I love like pasta and I some people react differently to pasta or they feel a certain way afterwards but if I include like vegetables with that so there's definitely foods that I would say you want to kind of push through with um Trav actually uh, my partner he like doesn't really like a lot of vegetables which is quite infuriating for me because I love vegetables but he's actually built a tolerance for it but he also knows well I want to look after my body so there's an element of like trial and error with different foods and I think this process what's great about it is it offers like a lot of trial and error like you're checking in with your coach every week you can see what is working for you and what isn't and we can let go of those foods like oats for my client we're not going to keep eating oats just because everyone eats oats every morning like we, we start to create rules on the on the right way to eat when that's not true mm. and I just say yesterday I for two days have craved vegetables I've craved it it's finally happened craved it I had not I've not had vegetables I haven't been eating enough vegetables in them here because I've not been I just haven't been taking care of that side of my life and all I could think about yesterday was spinach. I was like, I really need some spinach. I really just need to go. So I went to Trader Joe's. I know, I don't know why. And I just got like one of those ready-made salads with just like everything in it. And it was just like a, a kilo of spinach. I was having a great time last night. Just ramming it in my gob like this. Heaven, heaven. Do you like cold spinach or do you like steam it? What, what's mm-hmm. the vibe? I like cold spinach. Once when I was a kid, I... Um, so you know how like a lot of us had to stay at the dinner table before we finished our meals or whatever well I'd obviously thrown a drama because I didn't want to eat I had a real aversion to cooked spinach and like it made me gag but I always had to obviously eat it and I remember I got sent to my room for misbehaving I imagine and I had my had to have my dinner there and I put my spinach in the cot of one of my dolls and then I just left it there and so I didn't have to eat it and then like weeks and weeks later I was with my with my dolls and I went into my cot and there was just like this like moldy solid wilted gag looking ball of spinach and really since then like it's not really been my vibe it's really kind of stuck with me so I don't I like a bit of raw spinach we like it raw Okay. Thanks. I'm glad I know that about you now. Thank you. <laughs> Did anyone else used to do that if you got sent to your room and hide all the bits that you didn't like to eat? Or is that just me? 
Where did you hide it? I don't get it. Where did in, in my dolls? In my dolls. Cops, babe. Oh, my God. What, That's... did you have to go upstairs with your plate? Well, that how you hid it? It wasn't a regular occasion, but, like, if I got sent to my room. Well, I was going to say, like, no food upstairs, so I had to sit there and just sit there. Yeah, same. Do you, did you guys get me to sit at the dinner table until you finish your food? Yeah. Yeah, I remember being in my at my kitchen table when no one else was around, like just waiting patiently to hope that I didn't have to go <laughs> Did anyone else parents say to them when you get, oh, "I'm really hungry," and would anyone's parents say, "Have a glass of milk"? Oh my god, no! Mine did. Let's have a glass of milk. <laughs> Is that all about? Is that like a Smith thing that I need to go talk to them about now? <laughs> Always can, can someone answer that question if you're listening, if anyone's parents said that? Because I want to know if that was a thing back then. Like, I think in like 20, 25 years ago, well, was that a thing? Please tell do me. You know, do you know one of my clients, and she won't mind me sharing this, I'm sure, but we were exploring kind of hunger and growing up and childhood experiences. And she said uh, at the table, if they wanted pudding and they'd say that they're hungry, her grandparents used to check her thumb and like squeeze it and be like no you're not hungry enough for pudding or yeah there's room for food there oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow didn't know that was a thing that's like the opposite of um hung- like introspection right it's the opposite yeah. it's like complete not just trusting like external stuff but like completely fabricated external stuff too wow it's wild isn't it i mean and none of this is blamed, by the way, to any of our parents or anyone's parents. We, you know, when we know better, we do better. And we that's just the way that it was back then. I definitely posted some food to another, for children in other countries that couldn't afford to eat. I definitely put that in the letterbox at one point. Unless I've told myself that story so many times because my dad used to threaten it that, that I've imagined I did it. But I'm pretty sure I did. Um, getting back to that question, one the only thing I'd say on that question is, um, I can't actually remember the question, but I remember my answer. So I feel like that's fine. Um, try and get out of your head in this process and into your body and into your senses. So if you're not sure if you like something or not, it's because you've got these stories in your head, right? Of maybe I shouldn't have that. Maybe I should have that. I didn't like that before, etc. So that, try and let go of those. And, and like, it's difficult, right? I can't let go of the fact that there was congealed spinach in my doll's cot right that's in my head somewhere and no matter how much I get into my senses when I'm eating wilted spinach comes back into my head but you can try so so when you're eating something think about your senses like get curious like what does this taste like what does this feel like in my mouth what does the food smell like what does it look like if you are have been with us for a little while you'll probably have done the mindful raisin technique where you go through eating a raisin excessively slowly but Try that sort of technique with these foods that you you're not so sure about, and and like actually start to notice: Do I enjoy this food? Once I tap into the present moment and the taste, texture, etc., the senses of this food, and tap out of as much as I can the stories that I've got in my head about that food. And also, I was just thinking about you know, like for me, I love um, dairy milk, Cadbury buttons. Like I love love them, just love chocolate. But there's a point where that it doesn't taste as well as much like as good as it did in the beginning because it is probably a lot of maybe I don't know what it is sugar or whatever it feels a bit like in my mouth and I think that's can be said about foods that you do like as well there's a point where like if you were working on trigger food for example there's another thing that we do and it that can really help you feel a bit more like in tune with your senses as well which is um worth doing okay my client's question um some inspiration if you may where's the best place you've been on holiday oh that was like you've been to go on yeah that that for me I think is is up there um I mean my heart is in Cali but Italy was just absolutely incredible because I've never done a holiday like that and just really got to explore kind of the local area and it was so um 
like it felt like a really authentic experience like nobody spoke any English and you were in with the locals and it was great and so beautiful so I highly recommend still not 100% how you say it but Puglia I think which is southeast coast of Italy I would say Montenegro was amazing like if you enjoy moving hiking scenes great food nice weather then that's like it's two hours away it's great um I would say we went to South Africa last year and did a safari and that was a really big like experience in itself and I don't think beforehand I was like oh I've, you know safaris in my book at this but now I've done it I'm like uh, Becca's uh, messaged me about like honeymoon plans and things like that and being like tell me more about it I'm like no genuinely I could recommend it to everybody and it was like really it was it was a really like is meditative a word like a real meditative experience like because mm-hmm. you're so present with what you're seeing and there's no like you know when we say oh we're going on holiday there's no try to like not go on your phone and just 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 be present like what does that even mean but I genuinely felt really just in my body on a safari and I don't know why that was but it just yeah it was great so that's just two countries or places that I would recommend mm. I can see that with Montenegro because it's kind of like Albania wasn't it but but slightly yeah. more slightly more um visited I think in a in a safe way in a nice mm-hmm. way um oh I actually I don't know like I can't remember the last time I went on like a, a really immersive holiday I think I obviously love cost what's amazing is that like quite a few people that follow me have now gone to the sales on cost which is one of my favorite places in the world and it's I think with any holiday destination, my favorite places are not necessarily places for the like what they're like, they're like the the scenes and stuff. It's more about the memories that I associate with it. And you have to kind of think about like what type of stuff you love to do. Because I'm the same. I loved Cali and I loved Palm Springs. And I loved Cali because I could hike every single day in the afternoon and the temperature was perfect for hiking. It was sweaty, but not 40 degrees. And you've got sea, you've got canyons to hike and you've got great food um so I love Cali for that and I obviously love Austin it's one of my favorite places ever but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a holiday destination I don't think I would take a holiday here um mm, I think that's probably I think that's probably all I've got to add you know what just have a complete mind blank and you're like we have a yeah, where have I actually been? Do you know when I went that I really loved, which is a bit random, was Madeira. I went to Madeira with my mum and that was beautiful. Like, again, see lots of hills. Like, you just live on a hill, so it's lots of, like, walking up and down hills. But um, lovely people, great food. I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, that's thing. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Steph, question. Um, how to ensure you are focusing on yourself and your own habits slash needs when life takes over I think setting yourself non-negotiables I know we say this all the time but realistically non-negotiables are like promises that you make to yourself of regardless of anything else these are the type things that I'm going to try and do I think that the reason that they don't work is sometimes we're like, well, my non-negotiable is that I'm going to go to the gym four times a week and I'm going to meditate every morning instead of every morning and every night. And I'm going to do like, and it becomes a bit like, that's not non-negotiable. That's pretty optimal. I think having non-negotiables of genuinely, what is the very minimum that I need to do in order to feel like I've, like I'm still myself. And so my non-negotiables would be moving every day or moving most days, actually, not every day. And it's not gym. It's not walking or running. It's just moving my body once most days. And my non-negotiables would be having protein twice a day. Ideally, I'm always going to have it three or four times, but if I can have it twice, that's my that's my promise to myself. Um, and I think, so I think it's really about just having those very minimum non-negotiables of realistically what do I need it might not be meditating every day it might be doing a couple of breaths in the morning before you get out of bed like or or two minutes of breathing before you get out of bed whatever it is um that's really that's probably the only thing that I would say that kind of 
if you, as long as you make that promise to yourself and that commitment to yourself, then and know that you're worth making that commitment to yourself and maybe having that conversation with people around you if like it's really busy because maybe your kids have got a lot on and you've got things with your partner and in-laws and all of these things having that conversation with someone that's like these are the things that I have to do in order to show up not like an asshole for everyone else and to support myself so I would really love it if you could support me in doing like not chatting to me for the first two minutes and when we wake up in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. And having that accountability can be helpful. I would add to that Um, because people might be like, well, I don't know what I need to do to kind of show up for myself. Like, how do I know that? How do I review that? And I think one thing I learned from counselling was um, like my tutor was like, you know, we should all have like a staff meeting with ourselves like once a day. It doesn't mean like an hour, block it out just for you. But it, it might be that you go like before you go to bed, you might have your journal next door, <laughs> next door to you. Um, you might say like a bit of an end of day review, just being like, oh, you know kind of what what made me feel good or um what happened today and then you can then reflect on like the decisions you made that day or the routine and see if it's like effective or not as effective as you want it to be because then you, you can't really know until you review it I think so I think something I just do with clients is have a bit of like an end of day review that that can be quite good to then put in those non-negotiables Um, <clears throat> any ideas for high protein plant-based quick breakfasts i've been having outpro protein yogurts a couple of times a week but they are pricey if i was to have them every day and i'd like to introduce a bit more variety i'm assuming this is vegan mm. in that case um oh. vegan's hard vegan's tough if if it were me I would probably for breakfast be having like a vegan protein powder and oats or something like that because it's realistically in the morning you really do want to make sure that you're hitting your leucine threshold other parts of the day like ideally yeah you really do but in the morning especially after a prolonged spell of muscle protein breakdown you really do want to make sure that you're that you're breaking that fa- breaking that fast with you know a, a solid protein source I don't mean solid as in terms of like hard um so I don't think the Alpro yogurts even have that much protein in them so you will probably are having to mix them with either protein powder or having like nuts and seeds and or like maybe a nut butter um on top so that's probably that's probably what I would recommend um oh. What do you guys think? I just like, I... Sorry, I was just going to say, vegan alternatives are so pricey. Like, I'm thinking of things that I'm like, oh, no, that's still... If you were to have that every day, that's not something that you'd want for your budget. Um, yeah, it's difficult. I'm big on savoury breakfasts at the moment. And I think I would... I quite like them. I'm not, I know you guys aren't going to be judged. I'd quite like veggie sausage, Linda McCartney sausage and some beans in the morning with a slice of toast. I think that would be my go-to as a vegan. Mm. Yeah, because remember like seeded breads, seeded whole grain breads and bagels, like wholemeal bagels and stuff. Like a bagel's got nine or 10 grams of protein in it and seeded breads usually like eight or nine if you get like one of the kind of thicker sliced ones um but they do vary so check the label on those things um and I think try don't don't put too much pressure on having like a complete protein source and if, as long as you're getting that throughout the day in terms of um the full amino acid profiles throughout the day then like that's kind of what you want to think about so yeah I think great shout breads bagels you ever do the like scrambled tofu I don't know what they what I've it. had it here like I, mm. I got it by mistake here I thought it would be like I don't know what I thought it was anyway it was like tofu scramble and it's actually quite nice but I've never made it at home have you no no it's always something that I'm like oh do I but then I'm like oh, check it out at the last minute it could <laughs> so I've be never had it before changing. so I don't know if I like it yeah yeah it's it, it, nice when it's done right it is nice like when I had it in that cafe the place here diner here it was really nice um but I don't even know, really know how you make it. I got, I, I like here you can buy baked tofu in the shop that's already flavored and it's already baked. So you just chop it up and put it into a salad. And I'm like, did that last night when my mind was spinach? It was a good time. 
<laughs> when I was in Dallas last weekend, we went for brunch and it was one of those proper like Southern type of diner places that's got... Was it the biscuits that I saw? Yeah. So it's got meat with every dish. Like there was one dish that didn't have meat and I was like, oh, I'll have this. And it was eggs. Well, it's mostly eggs on an English muffin. Anyway. It came out as fried eggs. I swapped the muffin for a biscuit, a fr- and then and then just like half a mound of just like fried potatoes. It was the most Texas non-meat anyway mm-hmm. breakfast that I've ever had. But biscuits, I don't know if you've ever had biscuits, but they're delicious. They're like sweet. They're like scones. They look like scones, yeah. Mm, very good. Highly recommend if anyone ever gets these on a menu. Warm biscuits. They're just. Anyway, that was a distraction. Um, it's me, isn't it? It's me. Okay, George's question. How? Oh no, that was another one. Ross's question: How to ensure my daughter doesn't fall into the same bad eating habits? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? Say that. I don't know if that's weird, but I I, I just like this chat basically. Um. I would say that there's a, I've got a different stance on it. Well, not a different stance, but I've got a view on this. But the the obvious thing I would say is making sure that you're not, like the language you use around food, like not using good, bad language and stuff like that. And I think sometimes when we think about relationship with food, sometimes body image is involved in that. And so when I talk to parents and they're like, oh yeah, no, of course I would never talk about their food or their body, but they're like, scrutinizing their own diet or their own body in front of their child I think we need to make sure we're not doing that um so things like just like language that you use around your child is is something that I would definitely say like to watch out for but on a like a broader stance I would say because I do find this with this work actually when we talk about like improving relationship with food and body sometimes the best work that we do isn't actually necessarily directly to do with nutrition and body. So I think when it comes to like helping your child or supporting your child, I would say, you know, look at ways to help build their confidence and their self-esteem. Because when I think about working with the adults that I work with that struggle with their relationship with food and body, they struggle to self-validate. Um, they they struggle to trust their themselves. So they, they struggle to trust their food choices so I think in in a weird broad way, I think like when you have like conversations with your um with your child and let's say you have a bit of a disagreement, but like empowering their voice a little bit and being like, you know what, we we don't agree on that. And obviously as a parent you're setting boundaries because of like behavior stuff. But I think sometimes it's worth saying to them like, I love that you think like that. We're we're having such a good conversation from this. And because I think like validating voices is so important when it comes to relationship with food in a weird way and and relationship with your body so yeah I don't I don't know if that makes sense but that's something I would say I totally agree I think I think it's so easy on the surface to say don't compliment your child on their appearance and don't like talk about calories with your children and those things are are obvious um, always worth reiterating but they they are the more obvious stuff and it's like I think realistically our our children children often replicate what they see and they interject these kind of opinions values etc of the people around them and so this is a bit of an issue I have around the diet inside of things because you'll see people who are like very fat loss focused saying you know just don't just don't track in front of your children and and all of these things but if you've been dieting for a very long time it's very difficult to then sit with your children and eat the same as your children and not um display any sort of um aversion to eating certain foods or discomfort with certain types of food that you're eating and it's not impossible by any means but really it's about how you are modeling things and what's amazing is that you're doing this work with Ros now and so everything that you're doing and learning and and putting into place now is everything I know that is going to support your daughter's relationship with food so be really proud of yourself for actually taking the step and saying actually I am really going to be nurturing my child's relationship with food now through the work that I'm doing so that's number one I think is so so important I think Another thing to to think about is how can you encourage your daughter to 
eat according to her needs and what she needs rather than what you're doing or what someone else is doing so encouraging her I don't know how old she is but you know asking her like do you feel hungry like in your body do you feel hungry right now rather than like not rather than but maybe before you say what do you want for dinner the class x say okay how like how hungry do you feel in your body right now like little things like that that just make someone go what does that feel like in my body that's a really powerful thing and then before rather than saying like are you done are you finished you can get at the dinner table again this is going to be age dependent and how you articulate this is is you'll know your child better than than I certainly do but you know again saying like okay do, do you feel full in your tummy do you feel full in your body right now um or like and not encouraging people to just consistently eat more and more or less and less you know depending on the situation and um, I had a really interesting chat with one of my clients this weekend and um again I, I don't think she might me talking about this she was saying you know I'm not going to give all details but conversations with about bodies and food and dieting was a, was a strong way to have a connection with her mum back in the day and so she found that through her journal and she's like I realized that actually I don't I struggle to maybe let that go because it still felt like I had that connection. I have that connection with my mum through those behaviours and thoughts. And so I think that's something that we don't talk very much about. And to be mindful of is what you don't want is to build a connection with your daughter on these things and that to be a thing that you have in common because your daughter loves you so much that will become something that helps her think of, like makes her think of you and might be something that she struggles then to move through and to let go of so I know that you're you mean again you're asking this question so all thinking about all the other things that you build connection on together like what do you love to talk about together what are your common interests where do you have joy together where do you create play together all of these things can you foster like little bits of connection and maybe traditions and things like that around things that you do like that together I always know that like, I always bake with my mom and baking is a thing for me it's not the we didn't eat cake together all the time but we baked a lot together time I'm with my nana and that's our thing so it's like what type of things do you have there that are much more about connecting outside of like food and body and cultivating them which I'm sure that you already do Steph Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> um, the tips for structuring eating when you have an, a busy job, I'm still finding this a big challenge. I think when it's something that you're not used to, in whether whether there's like history of restriction or whether it's just kind of been... I was going to say, like eating on the fly is that a thing like just eating yeah um <laughs> I don't know if that's the right term um but it it, it is initially gonna have to be right okay look I, I would look at your schedule and go right I've got even if it's kind of like 15 minutes between meetings or calls or whatever it's right okay well that's when I can have my snack this is when I'm gonna have my lunch and get into the habit of like forward thinking of I know that this is going to serve me here's what I need to do yeah I think I'm mindful of this right because I know some people have jobs that maybe you're a surgeon and you're in surgery for six hours and I'm not going to say you know I've seen bodybuilders say this it's like no matter what like you'll always find time to eat I always have time to have my prepped meal and it's like not like let's not be dicks about this and I use surgeon as an extreme example but maybe you work in childcare and again you like you've got 20 kids around you and you don't get a break for five or six hours like there are lots of situations where it's genuinely impossible for you to make that space and like completely understand that but what I would say is that in my experience both personally and with clients often people who have the busiest schedules are the ones that that find that having a structure one really helps them and vice versa I know that when I was competing I was competing I was working I would work from like say eight till six at the uni and it was my first job teaching so I was really like on high alert and said yes to every opportunity that I had to teach and then I would then I would be building my business 
in the Costa across the road from 6.15 until 9pm. And then I would go home and try and maintain a relationship. Lols. Um, and then do the same. And I'd get up at five and do the same thing again, right? And again, I realised I had autonomy when I was, you know, in the evenings I was building my own business. But during the day, I'd, I would be in labs teaching for four hours or whatever. And I was competing. So I would eat regularly and I was extremely regimented. And I personally found that being so regimented with things and had to be, and I'm not saying that you should be really regimented with this, but there are parts of this work that you do have to be quite structured in, right? It's not a free-for-all as some people may well think, right? Um, I found that the combination actually was very, very helpful to me because it was all just like, it, it, this is not the most helpful way to always do it, but I felt like it all just had to align because I didn't have an option for it not to align because if I didn't make time to eat in that 15 minute window and I went to teach a lab for four hours where I was taking bloods and I was so hungry that I was dropping stuff like that I couldn't I couldn't afford to do that so I actually think sometimes if you prepare in advance like where you can I actually think having more structure and being busier can sometimes be really helpful to the process of becoming more regular with your eating and vice versa but sometimes that is a mindset shift of not I'm so busy that I can't do this more I'm so busy so it's more important that I do this and actually you get much more into a routine of ticking these boxes and again that sounds very counterintuitive by definition but actually structure is important especially if you're recovering from HA or you're recovering from binge eating that is a non-negotiable so think about how you're framing it and actually find those little pockets of opportunity where you can even if it's 20 minutes or 15 minutes before meetings or something where you are very intentional with that pocket of time and you time block that out for that meal that you that you've chosen to have what do you say to people that because I sometimes get this um like that really struggle with meal prepping and like putting a bit of thought into their meals but then when it comes to eating that meal they don't they don't want it because they don't they just don't want to have that Mm. that's that's such a good question because I mean, it's such a good question. And I think it happens to everyone. I Honestly, I think, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I think as an adult, sometimes you have to parent yourself and say, do you know what? You might not want this for dinner, but this is what we've prepared. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't always want well it's spinach for dinner but it's what's prepared and so it's what we're going to have together and you're, you're going to eat so you're hungry and I, I kind of feel a little bit like you don't hate it because you wouldn't have prepped it if you hated it um and mm. in, in which case if you did then let's think about why you're doing that and let's choose something else but so I sort I, I'm I sort of with my clients I sort of align myself with okay if you don't like it then let's choose something else but if you've chosen to prep it you don't hate it so sometimes you're eating for function and practicality Mm. I ask that because it's more to do like ADHD for example and like meal prepping in general they, sometimes it can be quite difficult but I have the same view of you and then I think oh maybe I maybe I shouldn't but then I'm like no actually there is an element of like this is what we're going to do to support ourselves today and I'm going to have that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah I do think like completely agree and if if you are just doing like bulk cooking and that's the meal absolutely but I do think as well like having some bases so that you still have it can be a bit more intuitive in that right here's here's the option for today I just need to pick a protein a veg and a carb that I've already prepped mm-hmm. and and then it like I said then there's not the oh, I really don't fancy it there might there might be that but there are a few different options combinations um rather than you just going I really don't want that and therefore I'll sack that off and have something else entirely Hmm. I've got this fruit for breakfast that I want to say it's either (laughs) damn it it's either called like a plapple or (laughs) a player or something like that it's like it's like a plum combined with another piece of fruit I want to say it's like a plum apple Oh, I wish I could remember. I'm very excited to have it for breakfast this morning. Pl- I think it's called a plapal. You heard of this before? I might be totally wrong. No, maybe could be plum and pine. Oh no, is that a weird duo? Plum and pineapple. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? 
I think that'd be delicious. Or plango. Plango. Now I'm very upset. It looks kind of like a plum, which is what why it makes me think it's a plum apple. I'll have to feed back. Please do and let us know what combination it is. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm gonna have to, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, that was a bit of a diversion. I just got excited for my breakfast. Um, okay, <laughs> okay, whose question is it? I don't think it's me. Wait, is it you? Was that you, Steph? No, no, it's not yeah, me. I'm... Right, okay. I think it's me. I'm just going to go regardless. Um, I have a friend of 22 years who I feel is quite selfish and that I can't be my authentic self around. But I speak to her every week and she is my go-to for a car catch-up, moan about the world, advisor. I don't have anyone else I can connect to in that way, but I feel let down by her all the time and forgive her every time she upsets me. My family and partner really don't like her, but I don't seem to be able to let go, mostly because I feel lonely where I am. New place, all friends are my partners, and I'm worried I'll lose the only real connection I have. Thoughts. what why is a connection like think get curious about how you feel after you spend time with her and if you feel great great if you don't feel great then ask yourself why is having a connection with someone more important than feeling like a connection with someone that makes you feel that leaves you feeling drained or negative better than not having a connection at all where you maybe don't feel that negative way like why is that better um because there's always space to make new connections and and listen it's really really hard I realized I've been in Austin for a month and I'd planned to come here and get on Bumble BFF and like make friends at yoga and I planned to do all of these things when I planned to be here for I originally planned to be here for six months and um now that I'm and then because I'm coming back in a couple of weeks I haven't done that and I realized yesterday I was like I literally have this man here and his friends and that's it and then I thought I've spoken to but then I speak to like you guys and I speak to Emma every day I like and and I think I've got such strong connections at home and I speak to people every day that I haven't even I don't actually I don't really want to spend time with anyone else I'm like I'm pretty chill um but the point being, you can meet new friends and Bumble BFF exists, classes exist. We've spoken so many times on this podcast about, you know, maybe going to like a new exercise class or a new hobby. Like one of my old clients set up a book club, which is just phenomenal to start meeting people. So there are always ways it's scary and it takes effort and time, but there are always ways to meet new people. But I also think there's something to be said for like, have you actually had this conversation with her about your boundaries about, okay, what is it that's making you feel this way about her or your, you like your time with her? And is it actually because maybe she, I don't know, always talks about other people and then can you set a boundary around like, you know, I totally understand that like you want to vent about other people but I would really love it if we didn't spend our time together talking about other people. I find that it quite, it's quite draining. Like, can you actually have that conversation? Um, and then the other thing is to think about, like, one friend is not going to be provide everything for you. I think what's amazing about having great friends or friend or, you know, people in your life is that one person can provide a certain type of support and you can provide a certain type of support for them and another person provides something else and vice versa and it's not all about how much you get from each other but different connections provide different things right and maybe this person is somebody that you get you know you you maybe enjoy a bit of time with you do a certain thing with and you enjoy like surface level conversation and it keeps you connected to the outside world in some way but you still want to then build other connections with other people that are maybe deeper or maybe more along the lines of what you're now interested in and having different friends. I think we have this, we put this pressure on, we definitely do this in like romantic relationships where we put pressure on and it's like one person has to be everything and do everything. And like, that's just not, it's just not feasible and it's not going to happen. The only thing I would say is personally is if I value a friendship and something was bothering me, I would be, honest about it because I've I respect them 
enough to tell them. Um, and if, for example, it's a friendship that is in my life, but it's not necessarily like I don't hold them. Like, I think there's an element of like maybe lowering expectations. I don't obviously know exactly why this person might and why your family don't like this person. And it may be for a good reason. But I think one, maybe like I mean, you said communicate, but then two, if this person, you feel like you don't want to shut this person out, then lowering your expectations is one of the best thing, things I've done with people and um, it's not lowering my standards it's just me like not expecting so much from them when I get that from another friend or whatever um, and I think just like kind of just saying that out loud and being like and that's okay like we can have friends that are a bit more like acquaintances or you know they have a bit of a vibe but they're not really someone I trust with my secrets or you know so <laughs> I'm doing it I do love Is that it- <laughs> I was going to say, is it, I feel like it's a Brene thing, obviously, that true connections only built on authenticity. And in this question, you've said that you can't be your authentic self. So I'd question whether it is connection that you're actually getting with this friendship, or is it that you want someone that can hold space for you? Mm-hmm. and why do you feel like you can't be your authentic self around her? Just things to explore, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that's, yeah. Because your responsibility is to show up as your authentic self. That's not her responsibility to make you do that. But if you don't feel that you can, like, why? Yeah, why is that? And remember also, like, friendships. Any relationship is not necessarily meant to last forever. And every friendship and relationship last as long as it's supposed to last and maybe this friendship has served served you well and it's time to let that go maybe not who knows but I think sometimes like we attach onto what we want things to be and we attach onto like well this friendship should be a friendship for life or this relationship has failed if it doesn't last more than 10 years and all of these things it's like if you remove the attachment of what you think something should be like can you see it with a beginner's mind of what is this now and is this something that I, that deserves and warrants my time and energy and that I want to put it into or am I putting energy into something some some sort of idealized endpoint that I've attached to that probably doesn't even exist or might not exist okay thank you very much for the questions thank you both so much goodbye bye thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me then you can find details of my instagram in the show notes